Hi, my name's uh, Benjamin Meyer, and I'm a junior here at Bellevue. Tonight, I'll be uh, sharing a message on the Ten Commandments. And before we dive in, I'd like to share a bit about myself. So one thing, I'm really into online games. So if you catch me at home after a long day, nine times out of ten, I'll be at my desk playing Valorant or some card game or really whatever catches my eye at the time. I also like to ride horses. It's a smaller hobby for me, but I have two horses, Batman and Robin. Fun fact, we didn't name either of those horses, and we got them two years apart, so the names working out like that was pure luck. <laughs> I also participate in choir here at Bellevue, the homeschool choir and the youth choir, and I think my favorite part of choir is really just learning the dances to go along with it. There's just something about the mood in that room that I love. I think if you've ever participated in singing Christmas Tree, you know what I'm talking about. So I want to tell you all a story about a Christmas gift I got a long time ago. So let me paint the scene. It was Christmas Day, and I had just gotten out of bed. And I was half running, half jumping down the stairs. And when I get down the stairs, I look, and I see this huge box with my name on it. And I mean, the thing was a little taller than I was at the time. And my grandma tells me to go open it, so I do. I run, and I jump up, and I put my arms on the box, and I lean back so that it falls over on me so I could reach the top. Not my best decision, but it worked. So I worked at it for a while, and eventually I get into the box, and I open it, and I see the super small box inside of the big box. So I crawl into the box, and I pull the little box out, and I start opening it, and eventually I get it open, and I look inside, and I see a Nintendo DS. And that was a big deal at the time, and I was so excited. That was my first ever game console, and I was pumped. I didn't even really know what I was looking at, honestly, but I knew at that moment that that was the highlight of my Christmas. But that little DS had a purpose behind it that was bigger than what I knew. See, my grandmother knew that every other weekend, I had to make these crazy five-hour drives back and forth, and she wanted to give me something to do on those rides besides just being bored. So she went out of her way to give me this just to make the rides more bearable. And as I was preparing for this lesson, I thought about how God gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelites and how it didn't necessarily change anything about what was required of the Israelites. The Ten Commandments didn't add any new burdens at all. It only, its only effect on the Israelites was as a blessing, to make their lives better. The Ten Commandments came as a gift to the Israelites, and even though they came in the form of rules and requirements, they were primarily a gift. I'd like to start by reviewing what we've seen in Exodus so far. So at the start of Exodus, the Israelites have been in captivity for 400 years, and they've been growing because God has been blessing them, but it hasn't been easy. The Pharaoh sees how much they're growing, and he gets scared. And he's scared because the Israelites are growing so much, he's scared that he thinks they might try to take Egypt by force. So he begins to persecute the Israelites brutally. So God, in response to this, calls Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt. And God uses 12 plagues and the parting of the Red Sea to get the people of Israel out of Egypt. And in doing so, we learn a few things about God. In my study, I found two major takeaways for Israel. Firstly, we learn that God has a plan for the people of Israel. And secondly, we know that he will do anything that he needs to do to see his plans for Israel come to fruition. So I think a good place to start to see how God reveals himself to the Israelite people is in Exodus 19, 3 through 6. So I'd like to read you these verses again. So then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. 
Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you shall be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Now, that's a big promise. I can't think of anything better a nation could hear from God than that he wants to make them a nation of priests and his treasured possession. And I think Israel knew that. So the people of Israel, having seen God's power, make, in my opinion, a pretty easy choice. And they say, we will do everything the Lord has said. And I mean, really, think about it from their perspective. The same God that just saved you from slavery is offering to make you the greatest nation ever, forever. And I think after what they've seen, they know he can. And more importantly, I think they know he will. So then the Lord says that before he comes to them, they need to clean themselves. And what he's really telling them here is to respect him and glorify him through how they dress to meet him. And to put this in more of our today standards, I'd like to think about a job interview. If someone walked in and they were just dirty, you know, they weren't really clean. Maybe they didn't even walk in with a resume prepared. What does that tell you? It tells you they don't really respect the position they're asking for. And in the same way, here God's literally offering the nation of Israel the greatest position of any nation ever. And he's reminding them to put in the work to properly show their appreciation. So once the time set by God comes, God shows up on Mount Sinai and things start to get real for the Israelites again. Verses 16 through 18 tell us that there was some kind of stormy looking cloud on the mountain with thunder and lightning and that even the whole mountain was shaking. And while all of this is happening, a trumpet is getting louder and louder in the background and smoke is coming up from the mountain like a fire. And while God is making a torch out of this mountain just by his presence, Moses is calling God's chosen people forward to meet God and they followed him and they gathered at the base of the mountain. Now, this is it. This is the moment that everything has been leading up to. When God called the nation of Israel out of Egypt, they had no clue what kind of role they would serve for God. And for all they knew, the work that God was going to set before them might be even more impossible than what the Egyptians had asked them to do. And what would Israel have had to say against it? Was God not a better leader than the Egyptians? Was his kingship not worth far more than that of Pharaoh's? For the Egyptians, worshiping their pagan gods was building massive pyramids and performing crazy rituals. So to the Israelites, it probably made sense that the real living God would want even more out of his chosen people. So when the Israelites said, we will do everything the Lord has said, they signed a blank check on their own lives and put all of their faith and hope in God's goodness and mercy, knowing that whatever he tells them to do, they're going to have to do it. So once the Israelites are gathered at the mountain, Moses calls out to the Lord, and, he and the Lord calls Moses to the top of the mountain. And when he gets there, God takes a bit of a break here to protect the people he loves, and he sends Moses back down the mountain. And he tells Moses to tell the people of Israel not to try to come up to the mountain, not to try to break through the smoke to see God, because they weren't cleansed enough. They weren't prepared, and they couldn't be prepared. And that even the priests would have to go through more before they could see God. And when he gets there and he's told the people these things, God begins to speak in such a way that everyone there could hear them. And he, and he gave the people 10 commandments to live their lives by. One, you shall have no other gods before me. Two, you shall make no idols. Three, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Four, keep the Sabbath day holy. Five, honor your father and mother. Six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. 
Nine, you shall not lie about your neighbor. And 10, you shall not desire what others have. And essentially, that was it. Four commandments teaching Israel how to love God and six teaching them how to love people. That was the end of the deal for the Israelites. All that they had to do to live as the most blessed nation to ever exist was to follow the best code of laws ever written. And when the people heard this, they were still really scared. And I probably would have been too. Eventually though, in Exodus 24, the Israelites confirm the covenant with God. But let's step away from that for a minute and think about the big picture of the covenant God just made to the Israelites. Essentially, God just told the people of Israel that if they obey him and keep his commandments, that they would be the most blessed nation by God ever forever. And they agreed, and they didn't even know the commands of God. They simply knew that the reward was so great that it didn't matter what the cost was. So then God's requirement of Israel is simply that they follow the best code of laws ever. And he doesn't even make the people work to figure out how to execute these big ideas. He goes and he spends the next few chapters explaining to the people of Israel how to put into practice what he's just told them. So we see through God's covenant with Israel that even what God asks of his people in return for his blessing is a blessing. So what can we learn from all this? Well, first of all, we can learn that God's goodness isn't limited by our abilities because the people of Israel were just as imperfect and broken as we are. And before God even made the covenant with Israel, he knew that they would break it, but he still blessed them. And in the same way, he will still bless us as long as we live with the heart toward him. We can also learn that we can't put God in a box, that just because we don't know how he's working, it doesn't mean that he's forgotten his people. And finally, we can learn that the Ten Commandments were a requirement and a gift. God's love for us is so great that he makes even the challenges in our lives a blessing onto us.